Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Schick and Nick podcast is brought to you by The Beanery. If you are needing to get your coffee game right or your latte game right, your mocha game right, your cappuccino game right, your tea game right, your smoothie game right, you need to head out to The Beanery. They got locations in Gretna, Ashland, and Papillion. The coffee is delicious. It's The Beanery, the official coffee provider of the Schick and Nick show. Here comes Casey Thompson. He's calm by nature. Gonna win a football game. Yes. about how it's going to sound. I'm giving you a round of applause. I am giving you a round of applause because sometimes you watch watch YouTube clips, you try to visualize what it's going to look like, but sometimes you have to (laughs) actually hear what it's going to sound like, and you just did that for us. So on behalf of everybody in Big Red Nation, thank you, Mr. Schick. That was good. You're quite welcome. Uh, that was for everybody out there, and it's pretty clear Nebraska got the pick of the litter. They got the guy they wanted because it's the guy they got, right? Isn't right, that how this works? Right. You know, the the phrase "pick of the litter" has gotten ruined because that's that's what that is what Bill Moose used when he described hiring both Frost and I think even Ooh. Hoiberg as well. So, like that, I believe he was everybody's first choice. And I got the pick of the litter. <laughs> we got the pick of the litter. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I'm not. I let's. I still think both guys got some. You know, got some winning in them, but things have not gone well so far. So, pick of the litter. Meanalikey.com. Oh, that's interesting that you think uh, Fred Hoiberg's doing well. No, that's that's your opinion. <laughs> Dairy. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean. Do you mean I'm, to do that? I, I have a lot of things I want to lean on you for today. I mean, All right. I, I need you, I need your full in-depth scatter report on Casey Thompson. I also need your <laughs> Chubba Purdy thoughts. I need your Trey Palmer thoughts. I need a lot of thoughts from you. Okay, they're still going to go after Purdy, right? Uh, that's gotta, gotta what I add another one. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're still going to get the Purdy game going a little bit, which is interesting. I mean, because. You would think when these guys hit the portal, I mean, they're trying to go get their starting quarterback game right. And so, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like that's what's going to happen. But who knows? I mean, who who is – Dylan Gabriel was get, was like literally in – like at UCLA and then boom, he's in Oklahoma. So, you never know. You, you never know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I remember the day uh, sitting on the desk, uh, National Signing Day, when Chuba Purdy was, I think, committed to Louisville and flipped to Florida State a couple of signing days ago. And that was some 
big deal. And then he decides to leave, and um, I, I don't know. It's Is it Chuba or Chuba? Are you saying Pan or Pam? Because um, I'm not I sure. I might to... have been saying Chuba, but what's going on, Bubba? <laughs> Who even um, said that? That was the Idaho coach, wasn't it? I don't know. The Idaho football coach, I believe. What was his name? Uh, because they were playing Idaho that yep. time. Yes. Uh, Nebraska was. and Did we have him on? Oh, yeah. Rob Akey, remember? Oh, man. And then we'd say, hey, Rob, how you doing? He said, what's going on, Bubba? <laughs> That's the most fired up anybody has ever been to talk, ever. Now, he's the defensive coordinator now at Central Michigan. What's up, Rob? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, Bubba? What's going on, Chubba? What's going on, Bubba? What's going on, Chubba? What's going on, Bubba? <laughs> yeah, I think it is Chubba Purdy, um, now, that you, now that you say it. What's going on, Chubba? What's going on, Bubba? <laughs> Chubba Hubbard, Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy. That's what's happening here. Chubba. 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 I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Because I got the little nugget from the Omaha World Herald that apparently Chubba Purdy's dad, I think his, his real name's Preston. I mean, we made that up in my mind. It's, I think it's Preston. But his dad called him Chubba because apparently when he was one, he weighed 38 pounds, which as oh my a goodness. father of a one-year-old and speaking to a father of 57 children oh, yes. who at one point have been one in their careers, I don't understand how you become 38 pounds at age one. That's a lot of formula. That's a lot of breast milk. That's a lot of Gerber food. Mommy's got nothing left. Because of Chubba. What's going on, Bubba? Goodness. You, you know, think about that. He's got, how many kids, uh, what's the family there? The the Purdy household. They've got Sean, Carrie, those are the parents. Yeah. They've got Chubba, Brock, and Whitney, who's a college softball player. Brock, Chubba, and Whitney. Wow. I mean, right. those are some... Weird, weird uh, name. Signed, Cohen, Porter, and Beck. <laughs> What's going on, Bubba? Oh, Brock Purdy, very strong name. Chubba Purdy, Chubba very strong Purdy. for different reasons. Whitney Whitney is just the, the most normal of the three, which is good. But Whitney's fine. Uh, so we'll see what happens with uh, Casey Thompson. Yeah, I mean, the Thompson thing's interesting. What, what is happening with Nebraska? And, and, you know, Bill Bush becomes a special yeah. teams coordinator. That was kind of like cover of night. Like, Scott Frost did not want to have to address the fact that, fine, I'll get a special teams coordinator. So when is it announced? When he has COVID and he can't talk to the media. <laughs> kind of smart, right? He doesn't have to elaborate on it. You know, Hopefully like, by the time he, he was hoping for an extended quarantine so he wouldn't have to discuss it. It will be so far out of mind. But right, it's only when, five days, I think. When the CDC changed it from 10 to 5, he was like, <laughs> damn it. We got to get on this announcement. We got to get on this announcement ASAP. The That's second right. I test positive, we are announcing Bill Bush, so we don't have to elaborate on this. I do not want to have to discuss this thing that I didn't really want to do, but right. I will find right. do it. So they get the special teams coordinator, they get the quarterback, they get Trey Palmer, 
who's heading to Nebraska, yeah. former uh, four-star wideout, and a guy who can return kicks as well, which is good. Thank God. No kidding. Um, they'll have a new kicker. They'll have a new punter. The engine is about the same, you know, because Frost is there, but, man, they're putting some nice undercoating on this thing. Right. Like it, it is getting waxed up. It's buffed. It's, the car, the Nebraska vehicle is getting detailed right now. It is going to look really, really nice. You just hope it, it, it runs a little better. Too. That, that's what's so weird about it's It's both exciting, but then it also makes a lot of the narratives that we've been telling ourselves for the past year rendered irrelevant a little bit. And it was Mitch Sherman that initially kind of sparked this in my mind of like, what did we hear all year? Like, Nebraska's close, Nebraska's close, Nebraska's close. Well, if you say you're close, you would think the only way that's a good thing is if you're kind of bringing back that core group and they're ready then to, like, get over the hump, for lack of a better term. But now it's like a completely – you know, the defensive side of the ball has got a lot of the same kind of nucleus core group together – but, man, the offensive side of the ball is completely different. Different quarterback, different coordinator, different receiver coach, different, going to be a different running backs coach. The the specialist on special teams going to be completely different. So it's weird. Like, you sit there like, man, Nebraska's close. They just got to make a few tweaks and boom, it's going to pop. It's like, well, this is more than a few tweaks. On one side of the ball, it's kind of a complete overhaul. And it's got to catch on. Like, everything's got to work together to get to that bowl game. Uh, in order to keep this thing moving forward, you would think. And right. You know what you've learned about this? And the, the big takeaway, like with the Mickey Joseph hire, right? So he bring he he flips to Coldest Crawford from LSU. Yep. Then he gets Trey Palmer. What you're realizing here, and I hope Nebraska fans are are catching on to this, Nebraska cannot recruit because they have better facilities. Nebraska cannot recruit because of tradition. And the storied past, that, that's not what's going to get Nebraska guys. And frankly, the window of opportunity for Scott Frost has come and gone in yep. terms of him being the hot new coach, right? Yep. We talked about that when he was first hired. One of the few things that's going to be able to get guys to come to Nebraska that wouldn't ordinarily do it would be relationships and guys being able to recruit out of that. Now, recruiting is always about relationships, and I, and I get that, but... Mickey Joseph coming back to Nebraska, you are going to have to have guys like that who have that personality, who have those tentacles in the South and in other regions and can pull guys from there who will recruit and will commit essentially sight unseen like Trey Palmer did right? because of the coach, because of the guy. And... This is what it's going to take. You, you've got to have – it's not just being a good X's and O's guy. You are going to have to be able to pull guys from places because you have great, deep relationships with whether it's the high school coaches or the players or the recruits or things like that. And that's what Mickey Joseph is doing, and and that's got to be nothing but encouraging. And it's also got to be eye-opening, folks, like, oh, okay, this is how you get them. Well, yeah, I mean, I think especially that's even more true – when you're not winning games, you know, like because because yeah. if if you don't necessarily have those those guys out there ingrained in relationships in different parts of of recruiting beds, you you could point to winning, and then that can kind of supersede different things. Nebraska certainly doesn't have that, but this also goes to show you, and it, and it's funny how hypocritical we all are on 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 
recruiting based on whether something happens that you like and benefits you or doesn't. I've said all along, you are recruit, you are committing to, these players more often than not are committing to a coach and a situation more so than a school. And to me, that is so true with Dakotas Crawford and Trey Palmer. Basically, those guys were committing to Mickey Joseph. And whether that was in Louise, LSU or in Lincoln, they were committing to, the, to that coach and the situation that that coach could provide them. And even, I think you're seeing that dependent on what happens with, what's going on, Chubba? What's going on, Bubba? Thank you very much. Icky, breaky heart, coach. But what I think you're seeing there, there is an established relationship between Mark Whipple and Chubba Purdy that existed in high school. It it has existed then once Purdy hit the transfer portal. Clearly, he is thinking, I need to get – I have a desire to get with Whipple, whether that's at Pitt or in Lincoln. So I just – I think this is showing you – that right, like everyone wants to talk about when you know with, yeah, I I get this all the time. I'm sure you do too with transfers or different commits or decommits or whatever with coaching changes and everything. It's like fans love to play the card like you're committing to a school. It's about the school you're committing to. Bull bleep. You are committing to a coach and a situation, and that's what's happening here. And I think that can end up benefiting Nebraska right now because. They, they've got some better guys that are more connected that clearly have shown they can lure different dudes to Lincoln. Yeah. It's like if I'm a kid, I'm, I'm committing to uh, parents, not a neighborhood or a house. Okay? Yes. Like it, it, you can't say recruiting is all about relationships and then be like, well, the coach left. You should have known that. Why are you leaving? Well, right. because he left, and it's about relationships. And so, right, in the absence of winning, you have to have captivating recruiters and <laughs> guys – that can just, you know, sell you on their vision, and maybe it's their friendship, right, or their mm-hmm. uh, their fatherly love, or whatever that is. And uh, Mickey Joseph ha- has some of that, and like you said, Mark Whipple, and being able to to sell his success on, on Kenny Pickett. They just happen to be at Nebraska. Nebraska has almost nothing to do with why these guys are coming there, right? right. Why, why these recruits are going there, and. Who would have thought you'd say that 15 years ago? I know it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it it's crazy. And so, I get before we get too far removed here, as we're as we're you know we're maneuvering through this conversation. Just I'll be honest. I'm not going to sit here and be like you know act like I'm I have watched you know hours and hours of tape on Casey Thompson outside no, of either. a few games and highlights here and there. I don't I don't necessarily have a strong feeling on him. I like I like the fact that he's experienced. I think this was the kind of guy that that Nebraska was going to try to get. I mean, do you what kind of a player as someone that is more immersed in the national landscape of things where I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just immersed in the Nebraska landscape of things more often than not. Like is Casey Thompson, what kind of a player is he? Well, I I think back to, you know, when I watched him light up my Colorado Buffaloes in the bowl game. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yep. <laughs> And then watched him for the first, you know, three plus quarters in the Red River game. Uh, a guy who can be pretty explosive, but I also think too that you watch some of the highlights. It's not like he's making a ton of plays with his feet, but he needs those weapons. Like if he's throwing those balls to Oliver Martin in in the open, like what what does that sound like? Like any position, 
you're going to be just as good as those that are uh, around you. And at Texas, I mean, Xavier Worthy was one of the top freshman receivers in the country. And when it's an ESPN 300 receiver, you know, he gets a t- it's a throw in the flat to Worthy, and he takes it 75 yards on the right. first play of the game of the Red River game. You know, and so you're playing from ahead, and that allows you to take some chances, take some deep shots, and they did, and then uh, things fell apart there in that second half. But uh, I think more importantly, it's what's around Casey Thompson than who is Casey Thompson. And, and maybe that's a reason why we never really got to see uh, the fullness and greatness of Adrian Martinez because he was asked to be the guy in terms of uh, throwing the ball and running the ball, and, and hopefully Casey Thompson isn't asked to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's certainly – there's a lot to like about Casey Thompson. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy is the the guy does have a lot of experience under his belt. I like that he he already played at a program that is a fishbowl program. You know, like he's not going to be wide eyed by Nebraska and the the feverish pitch at which the fans and the media cover the program, having come from Texas. I like all that. I would say I get worried about there is a dramatic difference in Big 12 football and Big 10 football, obviously. Be interesting to see what that adjustment's like. And then one thing that I think we, we kind of got to where we, we grew numb to it because we just got so used to it was the amount of times Adrian Martinez had to pull a Houdini act to avoid a sack to make a play. And we can talk about Dakotas Crawford and Omar Manning and Trey Palmer because I'm totally with you on the weapons that he's throwing to. That that pass protection has to get dramatically better. Like, dramatically better. And and a part of that, too, though, and and it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, if Adrian Martinez, if he had a good running game behind him, how different would he have been? And that's tied in with that offensive line, like you said. Right. I mean, so – you know, I look at Casey Thompson's, uh, you know, rushing stats. He's not the kind of guy that was leaned on heavily to do that at Texas. He had one run longer than 25 yards and two longer than 16 all season That's last crazy. year. I mean, it wasn't – I mean, the most carries he had in the game was eight. How much nine. did Kenny Pickett run? You know, yeah, obviously yeah, the big the, fake the slide. Fake slide yeah. and, and, but he was not asked to do much at all. So maybe that's more of the, of the mold that – that uh, Casey Thompson will be with Whipple. Yeah, that's what I would think it's going to be. I think I'm I'm having to adjust my mindset of what like this offense is because this isn't what this like what we've seen. What we saw Adrian Martinez do in the system he ran is not going to be what it's going to look like moving forward. Now it's not going to be like dramatically different, but it's going to be different because you got a different guy designing everything. So yeah, you know, it's just a. It's an it's an exciting, interesting, fascinating time for Nebraska football, where it's it's a it's a ton of changes, and so I guess I and maybe did a poor job at the beginning of this of just like I think the thing that is exciting and maybe gives you some hope if you want to see you know grasp onto some optimism is like they are making changes. Like this is not one of those things they're running it back and and expecting a different result. There are dramatic changes, which is exciting. But then at the same time, you kind of go, 
well, then what was all if you if you're if you're going to point to that as optimism, then you can't be the same person that was pointing at, hey, we're close, we're close, we're close, which I think I am dead in the middle of that. Like I am hypocritical in that, like I'm excited that they're making some tweaks and changes so they're not running it back. But I was also the guy that points at like, man, every they they could have easily been they could have easily won seven or eight games, you know, so it's it's kind of a weird state of affairs as you as you sink your teeth in Nebraska and what they've been and playing that close mantra with also looking at all the changes and then trying to view that positively, which I'm trying to do both. That is true. It's I think that would be a great question for Scott Frost, the first news conference comes back. You said you were close and you made a lot of changes. Right. How close were you and how close do you think you are now? Right. Right. Like, right. All of those things. I mean, uh, but just get that punt return game figured out. Good snap. Turney rolls right and gets a high end over end kick. What in the world? Reed makes the catch at the 50, 45, 40, he's going to go, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Sparty. You've got to be kidding me. There was nobody on that side of the field. It was a right punt, Greg, and he kicked it high and left, and Scott Frost can't believe it. <laughs> you know, you just, you just don't want Matt Davison to be groaning. Um in the booth anymore, right? Isn't that really it? I think the goal this year is to just have no more exasperated Matt Davison in the booth. That's really like limit it to maybe one per game and that's it. Yep. One grown a game, one grown a game. Nebraska is going to a bowl game for sure. Multiple groans. Not good. Not good. at all. Okay. (laughs) All right. We should do a top five uh, Matt Davison Exhortations. Unbelievable. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, so good. oh, my goodness. Oh, no. No. Oh. None of these are good. No way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You just can't, you know. The... What in the world? No. What in the world? If Matt Davison says what in the world this year, Scott Frost is going to get fired. Is yeah. that accurate? I would say so. Can't be any what in the world's going on. If we are, if you and I are doing the pod on Sundays next year, and we are recapping the the Greg Sharp Matt Davison experience, and we've got a bunch of those in there, it's not going well at all. What in the world? No, incredible, incredible. Yeah, just you can just feel it in his voice. We interrupt this edition of the Chicken Nick podcast to tell you about our friends at the Beanery, and they just do a great, great job. You know, they have a coffee truck. Um, Paul and the gang, they got a coffee truck. Where if you just uh, send them a note at info at thebeanerycoffee.com, they will answer all, all your questions about the the coffee truck, and they will. Send that coffee truck to your business, to your school, to your event that you have to help serve uh, everyone. And then when they pull up, Paul always says, what's going on, Bubba? <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or, or not. Uh, I don't think he does that at all. What's going on, Bubba? I think he, he does. I think he does. <laughs> he might He might just do that. There's so many things you can get uh, at the beanery, including uh, they have some food items, but, I mean, my goodness, those, those coffee drinks, smoothies, they've got everything that you want, everything to satisfy you, and everything to uh, keep that energy up. Well, And we got our energy up all the time because Paul has sent us beans, so we are getting our beanery coffee game right in the comfort of our own home and the reality of the beanery is if you don't have your coffee, you've got nothing. 
you don't have your health, you've got nothing. In okay. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, yes, that is a that is a huge part of it. And I, we do thank him for sending. You know, we do want to thank our friend Paul uh, for sending us all the beans. I want to thank my uncle Joe for teaching me all the sports. They brew. They roast their their own beans. Yeah. They do it. They, yeah. they roast their own beans. Uh, they're fresh. They're hot or cold. However you like them. Uh, Bo, how do you like your latte? I don't mind it being a latte, but it's got to be hot. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. Sounds good, Bo. The Beanery locations in Ashland, Gretna, and Papillion. TheBeaneryCoffee.com is where you can check them out online. It's The Beanery serving people coffee. I don't mind it being a latte, but it's got to be hot. Serving people coffee. (laughs) You're you're a busy guy. You got... uh, I'm a road warrior. College basketball. Yeah. You get a, a game coming up, uh, what, this evening? So, okay. Your you, you boy, you boy did Minnesota, Indiana on Sunday afternoon. Oh, you got your Rob Finnessy game right? Oh, I, I interviewed Rob Finnessy on the floor after the game. We both had masks on. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was good. It was. <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't finnessy you here. I can't finnessy you. I can't finahear you. Can't finna hear you. You can tell we both were like really trying to listen to what we were saying, you know, because it's like it's loud on the floor, the band's playing, and we both what have do masks you focus on. Focus on when you're both wearing masks and you're doing the interviews. Do you zero in on the eyes to get a hint? Or are you looking, trying to see if for some reason God's going to bless you with X-ray vision through the mask? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to read the eyes, and then at one point, I felt like I basically shoved the microphone into the mask. Like at one point, like I, the microphone made a little indention on the mask. I was like, let's get that on in there. There, Finnessy. Let's <laughs> shove that on in there. There you go. All right. Hey, could you just lift up your mask and, and put this microphone in your mouth and just start talking? All right. When I'm done with this question, I'm just going to slide it underneath. Perfect. There we go. Good. All right. Continue, please. Yes, but so your boy got your, your boy got his, uh, his, his Trace Jackson Davis Rob Finnessy game right. Hightail it to Milwaukee. Uh... Ooh. And tomorrow, Tuesday night, DePaul Marquette, yours truly, and Kevin Kugler are on the call for an all-access game where both coaches, Tony Stubblefield and Shaka Smart, are mic'd up. So basically, Kugler and I sit and don't say anything for the whole game. It's a very interesting experience. Uh, But if you want to know what it's like in the huddles, make sure you tune into Fox. And then Seton Hall, DePaul on Thursday. Then I got Nebraska and Purdue Oh boy, Hoiberg and that team trying to get their trying to stop Edie, Ivy, and Trevion Williams. Good luck with all that. Yikes. Well, good luck with all that. <laughs> so true. So oh. true. There. Someone asked Matt Painter. Like if the, if this team did any soul searching last week, they dropped two games I mean, over the last ten days. Big deal. Gosh, it's. I mean, yeah, you got to feel bad. Nebraska, after getting their Bill Snyder fannies waxed at Rutgers, give me some Bill Snyder, some some juicy lipped Bill Snyder. Oh, I told him we just got our fannies waxed. Oh, yeah. those those lips are just juicy. It's good. No, but how about? Fanny's waxed at Rutgers, and then Hoiberg's like, all right, here we go. We've got to get on the winning track. All right, what's the schedule this week? Kofi Coburn and then 
Tech Edie and Trivion Williams. Oh God, this is not good. So yeah, so I'll, that'll be my Friday game is Nebraska and Purdue. That's going to be that. That'll be a quite the challenge for Hoiberg and those dudes. I do have the audio of when Fred Hoiberg learned of the upcoming schedule. Oh dear God. <laughs> Is what he said. About as bad as it gets. That's not taken on Shaq in 2001. <laughs> this is this is not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got. Uh, I'll be calling nine high school games between Friday and Monday for the Hoopal Classic in Springfield, Mass. Going to talk. What? Uh, Going to be uh, commenting on guys who will not be playing for Nebraska. Whoa, nine games. So, yeah, it's gonna. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, a couple on Friday, four on Saturday, four. Three or four on uh, on Monday, and then I got a college game Thursday night. So we got a lot. We got a lot going on here. I know. So we're trying, we got to make gotta it button work. this up, uh, tidy yeah. this up here. Anything else uh, before we get? Oh, national championship game tonight. Yeah. Is there zero buzz for that, or am I being? Am I like prisoner of the moment for that? Am I just succumbing to the narratives of things a little bit? Is there, is there a ton of excitement for this game? What do you? It's, you it's buzzy. I mean, it's it's. Uh, you know, with the layoff and everything, and it feels like ages ago that New Year's Eve was the national semifinals. The season just kind of drags on a little bit. Right. We got to get this playoff started. You know, a week after the uh, conference championship games, I think would be the the best way to to do this. I did make the comment uh, on Twitter as we watched the NFL last night on Sunday night, nearly end in a tie, and I said, "Huh, interesting that." Uh, Having more teams involved in a playoff chase makes the end of the regular season more compelling. Interesting. Oh, I like what you did there. Hashtag CFB playoff. Yes. So we'll get there. We'll get there eventually with an 8 or 12 teamer. But, yeah, Georgia and Alabama. I'm not even sure, like, what what really – I mean, obviously a title is going to get crowned, so it's always significant, but I'm trying to figure out what would be, like, what's – What's the big thing? Like, if Bama wins again, I'm trying to figure out what, what that really does. It's, at this point, it's just like victory laps for this dynasty. You know what I mean? Like, it's – and for Georgia, I mean, I guess it's – you know, that'd be a big deal, I guess. I don't know. I'm Clearly, I'm not overly fired up for this game. This is all true. I can kind of sense that uh, with you. <laughs> uh, Nick Saban has won uh, seven titles, six at Bama, and one at LSU. I mean, he could catch the the thought of him catching John Wood. You know, if he wins uh, tonight, could wow. enter the mind of some for most uh, championships. Because you know, if he's around another ten years, who the heck knows? And I can't imagine Nick Saban being alive and not coaching. So we'll see how long he wants to do. I just can't imagine if Georgia were to lose. I think Georgia wins, but if they lose, what's it like being a Georgia fan? Right. It's like the uh, you know Charles Barkley playing during the Michael Jordan era. Right. It's like just just can't get it no i mean it's been since 1980 since they last won they have more talent on the field than alabama will coming up tonight and again first world problems really yeah. feel bad for georgia if they lose really no. feel bad. but i yeah i'm with you i think i'd lean georgia i think uh i don't know that first matchup i don't think there's any question that bama had i don't know you always get into a weird play where like bama had more to play for but they did like that that first the first matchup like that was Bama's season, you know. Like, I think there's something there's something subconscious about the circumstances of that game that I think make it hard to totally extrapolate to what tonight's going to look like. And the other thing too is like, could this have played out any better for the SEC? You know, like, oh my goodness, it's and I know a lot. It, there's a lot of people who want to play the SEC bias card, all this stuff. I mean, this just it just kind of happened to work out this way, where it was like. 
Bama beating SEC in the in the in the SEC title game allows for two teams to get into the playoff. It also allows for the for the matchups for them to miss each other in the semifinal games. Then you know what I mean? Like it's like this could not have played out any more perfect for the SEC. This is why the Big Ten needs to go to scrap the divisions and make sure that because uh, if you scrap the divisions, you have a better excuse of not scheduling certain teams. You know, for a while. The problem is, you know, if it's if it's Ohio State and Michigan, I mean, they want to play every year anyway. Right. So there's too many rivalries in the Big Ten that they wouldn't excuse teams not playing each other for a while. But get this. Alabama and Georgia have played each other twice in the regular season. Twice. Since 2008. Seriously? Twice in the regular season since 2008. Wow. They played the regular season in 94, 95, 02, 03, 07, 08, and then 2015, 2020. That's crazy. So if Alabama and Georgia played each other this year, would we have two teams in the national championship that are from the SEC? Probably not. Right. Right. You're adding an L to one of them. Right. Right? So when your two best teams, by and large, avoid each other in the regular season, I mean, this is this is what happens. That's I, quite the nugget. Yeah. I mean, let them avoid each other. You get to the SEC championship game, and you're guaranteed at least one team in right. with, how the, with how well they recruit and play right, right now. So right. That's uh, kind of how it goes. I want to play uh, this going out. Uh, our buddy, we've asked you, hey, submit your – your drop references, your show references, work them into your daily life. But specifically, if you're a broadcaster, that helps. We had pastors. We have broadcasters. Uh, remember our buddy uh, John Schreiner? Oh, yeah. John Schreiner, right? Former Served intern. Our country, uh, wanted to shadow us one day. I'm like, hey, you've, uh, you've defended our country. All yeah. I'm doing is defending Shane's ramen. <laughs> Come on and board. So he Just, shadowed us for a few yeah. days, wound up being like an intern. Oh, and, yeah. And and then now he's he's doing play by play and he's been yep. doing it for a while. Uh, UNO, mm-hmm. he did a UNO Western Illinois women's basketball in late December, and uh, dropped a couple of these. He says, uh, he says, you said it was our responsibility as broadcasters to, f- to fit drops into our shows. Well, I take my responsibilities very seriously. Thank you for giving us all of the drops. Here is uh, one clip. I've not heard these yet. I'm just Ooh. playing these straight out of the chute. Here is uh, one of them. Omaha comes up a little bit short, leading by 12 at the end of the third quarter. But when the stage was at its biggest and the brights were at its lightest, just couldn't pull it out. They fall tonight 77-70 <laughs> to Western Illinois. Well done, John. The stage is at its, at its biggest and the brights are at its lightest. That's what it's all about. Wow. You talk about smooth. That was a smooth weaving in. That was amazing. Omaha comes up a little bit short, leading by 12 at the end of the third quarter. But when the stage was at its biggest (laughs) and the brights were at its lightest, just couldn't pull it out. Gosh. He had that written on a card. He goes, I'm doing this. It's right before Christmas. I'm doing this. I'm jamming it in there. That's good. Uh, And here's the other one. I have not not heard this one. He did uh, two of them. Uh, here we go. This is another one. Omaha back to full strength for the most part. Sophie Johnston as well as Josie Filer, the two seniors who had been on the bench due to injury, 
through the first nine games of the season. Well, both of them made appearances on Monday against St. Thomas and should be back in the lineup again tonight. So those two seniors back in the lineup for the Mavericks who are finally getting healthy. And as you know, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. <laughs> so Omaha and Western Illinois, we're going to let the pregame show roll on. We'll talk about the Leathernecks in our next segment. This is the First National Bank Omaha pregame show on the Omaha Sports Network. Okay. Wow. That was a huge buildup. Who yes. are finally getting healthy. And as you know, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. <laughs> Werner? Werner said it best. If you don't have your health, you've got nothing. In yes. <laughs> oh, I was listening. I, I was listening the whole time, like trying to figure, okay, where's he? How's he going to weave in right, something? Right. What's he going to weave in? What's he going to do? That was nice. Where are we going with yes. this thing? Oh, that was great. Oh, that's well, good. Well done, John. Yes. Uh, before before we get out, uh, Bob Saget. Yeah. That was as stunning a news story uh, as I can recall. I mean, the Betty White, yeah, I mean, it's, it's too bad, but she was, you know, 99. 99 yeah. And, uh, Sidney Poitier was old. Yep. And, but you think about this, you go, man, this is our TV dads. They're, they're dropping. I mean, I Uncle Phil is gone. Right. Jason, Jason Seaver is gone. And now Danny Tanner's gone. I know. I mean, I... I was, th- you know, you get the news and you really think about it, and this is where maybe the, there's the the world you and I grew up in is different than it is today, just in how network television and and family sitcoms and all those things are just they're kind of just different. Like I grew up with basically like my TV dads were as you Uncle Phil, uh, Carl Winslow, um, even it's obviously altered because of what has transpired, but. Bill Cosby was certainly one of those those figures for a little bit, uh, but then of course it was Danny Tanner. Like he was kind of everyone's dad. Full House, yeah, cheesy show, whatever. It was an awesome television show. It was so good. I was I watched it religiously, and yeah, it's just it's sad. Just one of those guys, uh, you know, was America's dad, but then kind of the. The, the fact that he was a comedian that then could kind of switch up, like you kind of conjured up this idea of what Danny Tanner was like, and then Bob Saget oh, could yeah. be different, which was kind of made it even his his comedy even funnier, you know. But that's that that one was like stunned you a little bit, like oh wow, that hurts. Yeah, that was at my power rankings. I did this on uh, on the Big Ten show on Monday, but I had. Uh, uh, Uncle Phil, Philip Banks at number five, Carl Winslow number four, Jason Seaver number three, Danny Tanner number two, and Cliff Huxtable number one was my TV dad. Yes, He's my right, guys. right. It, yeah, and I just don't know if shows, you know, not to be like shit, you know, shows these days, man. They don't like <laughs> all these, all the shows growing up that I watched were all about a family. You know what I mean? And it was it was all about a family and at the core what the the father of the family and like this was was a bonehead in some ways, you know, but all but then also was like very thoughtful and caring and all that it just and and yeah, it just it was such a uniquely structured show in Full House cuz you basically had multiple father figures in in obviously Joey and Uncle Jesse, but yeah, it just 
there's no question that when you when you thought of Bob Saget, you thought of Danny Tanner, and it gave you all the good the good vibes and the good feelings because that guy was just a part of for people of our age, he was a part of our life growing up big time. Yeah, America's Funniest Home Videos yep. and all that. So, yeah, that's uh, that that was a tough one. That was uh, pieces of your childhood just right uh, going by, and uh, he was he was a big part of that. Uh, yeah, shouts out to uh, Bob Sagan, Full House, and uh, TGIF, and all, all those, oh, yeah. uh, all those things. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll get out. Uh, sorry for that uh, that sad note. No, uh, we had to as, get that in though. I mean, yeah, we got to yeah. we got to get that in. So yeah, it's um, and I guess you know as we leave, you know the question is who's the, I mean we go you know mention Uncle Phil, you know Cliff Huxtable, um, who is who's the best TV dad now? I, I don't know. We'll see you next week. And your question is. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. Sick and Nick. Yeah. Sick and Nick. Yeah. Sick and Nick show. Yeah. Here we go. Sick. Yeah. Nick. Yes. Sick. Yeah. Nick. Yes. Sick. Yeah. Nick. Yes. What's going on, Bubba? Nothing. A Huda Media Production.